Hello, hello. Did you guys miss me last week? Well, I missed actually recording some episodes. And if you don't know, my name is Nini, and I am your host of All Things Dorothy's Daughter. So I've been so busy. It's been such a fantastic, man, fantastic couple of months. I have um, kicked off my business, which is seems to be thriving and, and moving at a, at a warp speed, because what I'm choosing to do is be fearless and have courage. And as you know, we've been talking about courage and fear and, and those type of things that hold you back. We've been having this discussion for the month of September. Um, my apologies, I missed last week. I had back-to-back clients and it's just been such a fantastic journey. But you didn't call or you didn't actually, well, you didn't call me, but you did not take your valuable time listening so that I can tell you about my wonderful week. So what are we going to talk about today? So let's talk about, is it time to face your biggest fears And with that is how to become fearless without eliminating fear. It's interesting, right? Um, Because fear is one of the most powerful forces in your life. It, you know, it impacts the decisions you make. It impacts the actions you take. And it has an impact on the outcomes that you want to achieve. Who you are and what you do has at some point been influenced by fear and being successful, you know, that relies to a large extent on knowing how do you leverage fear because fear is critical for survival. You know, in the last episode, we talked about fight or flight. Fear is critical for survival. It's hardwired. It's a primitive emotion that involves several parts of the brain, not just the amygdala, I don't know if any of you've heard, you know, in corporate America, we talk a lot about the amygdala hijack. And what that means is someone's catching you off guard. The, that part of your brain is like, I'm ready to either fight or flight. I got to get the heck out of here. And, but there are several parts of the brain, not just the amygdala. And it creates a complex experience um, that's marked by a distinct pattern of mental and psychological activity because we know that fear is internal it's an alarm system it exists to warn against threats to survival and survival in the past you know that meant staying alive like we talked about in in the last episode that I had meaning not getting killed by a predator you know a disease or a rival or a natural disaster and the threats included anything that could literally cause death or serious harm. That's back in the, you know, in the past times. And fear is what kept our ancestors out of harm's way. But as the world increased in complexity and demand, the meaning of both survival and threat has changed significantly. What does survival mean nowadays? And what poses the biggest threat to it? So think about that. Survival in the modern world. Um, 
And according to uh, this author, his name is Carl Albrecht, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, it's all fears, regardless of how big or small, fall into five categories. And he says in that um, book is fear of extinction, fear of mutilation, fear of losing autonomy, fear of separation, and fear of ego death. That's a huge one for me is that fear of ego death. And consequently, the role of fear is to promote survival in these five domains, to protect from anything that threatens to destroy not only our lives, but also our physical and psychological well-being, our autonomy, and our connections to others. So what are we trying to protect in the context of this complex social, culture, political, and theological world? What are we trying to protect? Well, he goes into the book, he talks about biological survival. That's the need to stay alive which remains our highest priority. Without being alive, right, everything else doesn't matter. The sound of the fear alarm is the loudest when your life is at risk. The second thing was the physical health and ability. Your being healthy and strong is not only a requisite of biological survival, but it is also necessary in order to meet the demands of your daily life. This is why millions of people get a flu shot every year and why there's hand sanitizer in everyone's purse, doctor's office, you name it, it's everywhere. Um, Another um, thing we're trying to protect is our autonomy. We wanna be able to make our own decisions and live our lives the way that we choose. We don't like being restrained physically or metaphorically. This is what makes being trapped, whether in an elevator or in a horrible job or in a terrible relationship or a sucky friendship. That's why, we, you know, um, it makes it so scary and why fear of imprisonment is a good deterrent for breaking the law. Right? People don't want to go to jail, so they're like, I'm not going to break the law. Then we have social survival. We want to belong and we want to stay connected and to be accepted and respected by our peers or people we love or people that we're around. We try to steer clear of criticism and rejection from people we like or even total strangers. Being alone and feeling unwanted and irrelevant, that can be frightening. And this is one reason why people stay in bad relationships or what we've heard, you know, join gangs, cliques, cults, whatever you want to describe them. And lastly, it's the self-worth. Given how long we have to live our lives, we must protect our self-worth at all costs. A shattered self-esteem is a big problem in any context, and the fear of feeling worthless and inadequate can be very limiting, as it stops you from thinking big, expressing yourself, and taking risk. This is why the impact of losing a job or getting a rejection letter can last for days or even weeks. So what are we scared of, guys? Can you think about that? What are we scared of? We have eliminated many of the threats that our ancestors have, right? That survival at, at risk, but the fear remains. What keeps people scared in these times? Well, there was a study at the Chapman University. It surveyed 1,500 people about the kinds of things they were really afraid of. The fear that made it to the top five list, it included government corruption, cyber terrorism, tracking of personal information by government and corporations, 
terrorist attacks, terrorist attacks, and bio warfare. Warfare. Now these are definitely scary things, right? With def with definitely devastating and long-lasting consequences. But are these fears that keep you up at night, or are these fears that are holding you back from achieving your goals? Is preventing government corruption or bioterrorism your highest priority? How about things like losing your job, not having enough money to provide for your family, getting sick without health care, your kids being bullied at school, or you're being harassed at work, or failing to live in line with your values? These fears may not be as explosive, you know, or as massive as terrorist attacks, but they can certainly make your day-to-day life miserable. Survival needs and what threatens them, they've changed right over time, we know that. Nonetheless, the role of fear seems to remain the same. It's to warn and protect. And yes, fear can be uncomfortable and even maybe paralyze you at times, causing you not to be able to do anything. Um, But according to some literature, that there are over 100 documented phobias. Isn't that crazy? And you know, a phobia is a disorder characterized by persistent or irrational fear of objections or situations. The good news is, large majority of people fear is not pathological, but it can be crippling. And the truth is, you cannot eliminate fear, nor should you try but you can still be fearless. Being fearless is not the same as eliminating fear. I'll say that again, because being fearless is not the same as eliminating fear. Being fearless means you know how to leverage that fear. And the first step to leveraging that fear is first identify what scares you. What's your biggest fears? Think about that. What are your biggest fears? Do you want to share it with anyone? Do you want to put it on the um, Facebook page on all things Dorothy's daughter? What is your biggest fear? What are ways that fearless people conquer fear? What are some of those ways? We'll talk a little bit about those. But you may believe that brave and courageous people have no fear. Well, we all should know that that's wrong because courageous people are as afraid as anyone else, but it's actually their fear that makes them courageous and not the lack thereof. They manage their fear differently. It's not a stretch to say that people who truly have no fear are either sociopaths or have severe brain damage. And But for the rest of us, being fearless means knowing how to leverage fear. And how do you, as a fearless person, leverage fear? How do you become fearless without being thoughtless? Well, let's talk about seven ways that you can do that. So the first way is fearless people respect fear. They're not afraid to be afraid. They're comfortable acknowledging their fear. They know that fear is hardwired into our nervous systems and therefore impossible to shut down. They understand that the role of fear is to warn and protect, not to scare and prevent. Say that again. They 
fearless people understand that the role of fear is to warn and protect, not, in capital letters, to scare and prevent. And for them, fear is not an enemy. It is an ally that guides them through high stakes situations and ensures your goals and achievements are met. So fearless people, first thing they do is they respect fear. Fearless people recognize, this is number two, fearless people recognize that fear is a complex experience made up of interact, you know, quite a few um, interactive physical, emotional, and mental components. So number two is fearless people understand the mechanics of fear. They know that fear goes beyond feeling of worry and dread and that their own thoughts can exasperate their feelings by making them things seem scarier than they actually are. They understand that their own actions can determine the degree of impact that fear will have on their life. So number one, fearless people respect fear. Number two, fearless people understand the mechanics of fear. Now listen closely guys, because what I'm walking you through is the what or the how, because I'm going to divert just for a second here. We see all of those memes online. We see all of the, oh, go have a wonderful day, you know, on your Instagram feed, or there's nothing to fear, but fear itself, you know, that is a lot of those things are great. And we've talked about that before. Those are the what I'm trying to get you to a place and understanding the how. So how do you be fearless? We've gone through number one and number two. So let's talk a little bit about number three. What, what do fearless people do? Um, what they do is they don't let it linger. Number three is they explore the origin of their fear. And when fear arises, fearless people don't allow it to linger. They want to know what's causing it. Fearless people realize that fear is not so so much about what scares you, but about why it scares you. Okay, think about this. Fearless people realize that fear is not so much about what scares you, but it's about why it scares you. And studies show that there are three main reasons why something scares you. Those three things are biologically. You are designed to be scared of scared of it, right? There's a number of things that we are genetically predisposed according to the science is not all things Dorothy's daughter, Nene, but that people are afraid of, for example, snakes. Some people are deathly afraid of snakes. Some people are afraid of flying. Some people are afraid of being in small spaces. They're that's biological within them. Secondly, a reason is their past experience. It or it was something very similar scared you a lot in the past. So it's a learned condition. You know, if you've been in a bad car accident, what happens? You get scared and you become afraid of driving. I've seen that happen on several occasions. And the last thing is forecasting. You worry about the future. And so fear emerges when you expect that your predicament or your actions could have have a more serious or harmful consequence in your life or in your health or your freedom or your relationships or your self-esteem. So 
fearless people don't let fear linger. They identify, is it biological? Is it a past experience? Are they worried about the future as to something that they're feeling fearful about? Right? So, So think about that a little bit. Okay? So we talked a little bit, seven ways that people conquer fear. Number one, we said fearless people respect fear. Number two is fearless people understand the mechanics of fear. Number three is fearless people explore the origin of their fear. You don't, they don't let it linger. And number four, fearless people focus on building confidence. There is no better antidote or solution to fear than self-confidence. The more confident you are about your ability to handle what actually scares you, the more secure you will feel. So being confident is a result of acquiring knowledge, mastering a skill, and gaining experience. Getting the facts lessens the intensity of fear by making things seem less scary and more preventable, right? I I talk a lot about what's the facts, what's the facts, what's the facts, um, and not how do you feel, okay? So I'll say that again, getting the facts lessens the intensity of fear by making things seem less scary and more preventable. Mastering a skill, whether it's public speaking or job interviewing, shifts your focus from fear of failing to active coping. And finally, the more experienced, direct, or vicarious, um, excuse me, victories that you gain, the less of a barrier to success fear becomes. Okay, so the more experience or direct or victories that you gain, the less of a barrier to success that that fear becomes. Okay, so we've gone through four of them. Let's talk about number five. Fearless people don't spend time worrying about the worst case scenario. They prepare for it. They over prepare without overreacting. Fearless people over-prepare without overreacting. They make a plan and they have a backup plan. They over-prepare without overreacting, obsessing, or marinating on it. In that same study that I talked about earlier from Chapman University, more than 50% of the respondents stated that they were very afraid they would experience a natural or man-made disaster in their lifetime. That's a lot of people, right? What was that? I think the number, it was 1,500. So half of that, 750 people, they were afraid that they would experience a natural or man-made disaster in their lifetime. And 86% of them believe that preparing ahead of time, meaning putting together an emergency kit or, you know, planning your phone numbers with your families would increase their odds of surviving significantly. But listen to this, guys. This is gonna, this is kind of baffled me when I read this. Only four, one in, oh, excuse me, only one in four of those 86% of the people, right? We said 750 of them, only one in four had actually made any efforts to prepare for such an event. Imagine how much more scared those three out of four people will be when the Weather Channel says, here comes. We know that in a major, here, I'm in California, so I can say for California, we know that there's a major earthquake coming. People, so think about this. People are afraid, right? 
they're afraid that there's, there's going to be a natural disaster. You're afraid of that. You know, 86% of you believe that if you prepare for it, it would increase your odds of staying alive. However, one in four of you actually do anything about that. Isn't that fascinating? I find this perplexing. And the reason I find it perplexing is that I continue to say that we talk so much about the what, but we don't talk about the how. And I think I'll add another lever to that. We're not talking about the how and we're not putting anything into action. We're just sitting around being, being scared, okay? Being fearful, not being fearless, okay? So um, let's jump to number six. We only have one more after number six. Um, fearless people take action despite of their fear, not because of it, okay? They take action despite of their fear, not because of it. Because ultimately, what determines the outcomes you achieve in life are the actions you do or do not take. Let me say that again. What determines the outcomes you achieve, you listening in life, are the actions you do or do not take. Fear will interfere. Fear engineered actions range from tackling what scares you head on to working through it despite your fear. So from tackling, let's say that again, um, because somebody rang my doorbell and got me all off kilter and what I was saying. Fear engineered actions, they range from tackling what scares you head on to working through it despite your fear. Fearless people strategize. They plan and evaluate their actions. They know when to push forward and they know when to pull back. They know what risks are worth taking and they know with what risk they should avoid. And when things get out of hand, this is the last one, guys. Let's, let's go back. Let me just remind you what fearless people do. Fearless people, they respect fear. They're not afraid to be afraid. That's number one. Number two, they understand the mechanisms of fear. So they understand and they figure out what's going on or why are they fearful. They, um, they explore the origin of their fear. Is it biological? Is it past experience? Are you worried about the future? They focus on building confidence. There's no better antidote to fear than self-confidence. They over-prepare without overreacting. okay? They take action despite of their fear, not because it, because of it. And lastly, when things get out of hand, this is number seven, they are not afraid to ask for help. So despite its incredible evolutionary value, fear is not a fun feeling. I mean, it causes so many things. It's an unpleasant experience that causes physical discomfort, emotional distress, and mental turmoil. And when a person doesn't deal with fear properly, it, become, it can become pathological. And according to the National Institute of Mental Health, almost one out of five adults will suffer from anxiety from an anxiety disorder in a given year. 
and the psychiatric literature reports over 100 phobias, disorders which manifest, which manifest in a persistent and irrational fear of objects or situation. And fearless people know how to seek help. When a worry becomes excessive and anxiety interferes with daily life, maybe it's time to consult a professional. Because that, I am not. I am not a professional. So understanding that fear, um, being fearless does not mean eliminate fear. Eliminating fear. It means knowing how to leverage fear. And we talked a little bit about that. Because fear is healthy. It's hardwired into your brain for a good reason. Um, Fear comes in many shades, in different colors, in different ways. Fear is not as automatic as you think. It's a, it's a part, it's part instinct, part learn and part taught. That's what we talked about. You don't need to be in danger to be scared, right? Think about that. How many times have you been scared, but you are not physically or mentally, even emotionally in danger of being hurt? The more scared, scared you feel, the scarier things will seem because now you're continuously perpetuating this feeling of fear. Fear also dictates the actions that you take. And the more real the threat, the more heroic your actions. That's what you think, right? Imagine threats can cause paralysis. We react differently to real versus imagined things. Um, Things that are being made up in your mind and being scared about all the bad things that will or will not happen in the future makes you worry a lot but take little action you are stuck in the state of fear overwhelmed but not knowing what to do real threats on the other hand can cause frenzy so when the threat is imminent and identifiable you jump into action immediately without flinching this is why people are Let me reiterate, let me say this again, because someone interrupted my recording. So what I was saying is real threats cause frenzies. And when a threat is imminent and identifiable, you can jump into action immediately. That's what we do. Um, This is why people are more likely to change their eating habits after a serious health scare. Like if you've had a heart attack or high blood pressure, then after just reading statistics, about the effects that some certain foods can have on your body. So fear, remember, can be as much of as an ally as it can be an enemy. And fear of fear can keep you locked in a cage of insecurity. Listen back to some of the ways that we talked about how do you overcome that? And what are you doing to be fearless and not fearful. So I hope that this provided you some food for thought, I guess is a good way of putting it. And let me know what you think. What are you afraid of? What fears are you holding on to? Go on to All Things Dorothy's Daughter Facebook page. Leave me some messages and let me know. 
And thank you so much for joining. I do hope that you have found some good pearls here that you will share with a friend, share with a family member, tell me that I'm way off track or that I'm on track. Hope that you are having a fantastic week. Thanks for joining All Things Dorothy's Daughter. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Thank you.